Again, welcome to everybody. It's a blessing to be together, to turn our minds and our thoughts towards the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us, and we pray that our response to him is always just as we have prayed to uh, be the salt of the earth and the light of the world for him. And similar thought was given in the uh, giving of the, the Lord's Supper. Fill this place up. We've got to shine the light. And I think we're a group of people that are worth knowing. I think we have a message that is worth receiving. Today's message is, again, a reminder that we are special, that we have been set apart from common things. We have a special purpose to serve for God, and a part of what we have at Garrett Street Church of Christ and what any church that is following Scripture has is that we are set apart by our teaching on baptism, that we look to the Scripture and consider what it says for us. So our message today is going to be that of what does the Bible say about baptism? And we're really just uh, scratching the surface with what it says but I hope it's enough to make us consider and think. Before we get into that thought, I do want to uh, move quickly to, and it's not going by, here we go, maybe. All right, here, now it's working. I want to review quickly some of the things that we have said set us apart. We as the body of Christ here at Garrett Street or just God's church in general for any, any church that's following scripture, this, uh, this should be true of them all, but it's not always the case. But we at Garrett Street, we make a claim to these things that we are set apart by being a family. It's very important to us to be truly God's people who are a family. Number two, we, we studied and looked at this idea that we are set apart by our youthful vigor for life. We're not walking through life as zombies. We are living with the full spirit that God has given us. The third lesson we consider is we are set apart because we continue to learn and follow Scripture, which is the very Word of God. And those are words from Scripture. All these are very scriptural points. So we follow God's word, and really this is where it all begins, because the reason we're a family is because we do what's here. We believe what's here. We have a youthful vigor for life because this is what scripture tells us we should have. So we are going to continue to learn scripture and to follow scripture. And we look at this as the very word of God and dictates everything. Which brings us to then our next point is that we are set apart by not being divided, but having the same mind. Also words from scripture. We, uh, we are not just non-denominational is what I would say. We are undenominational. We think that having a denominational name to have a name or an identity that kind of separates us from the body of Christ at large or what scripture says... That's wrong. We're against that. We are undenominational. We're not a part of a denomination. That's true. So you can call us uh, 
non-denominational. But I would also say that we're against denominations. And, I'm, and boy, I could be misunderstood with that statement, couldn't I? I'm not against anybody who claims to be a Christian. I would just encourage Christians to follow the word of God. And the word of God says don't separate yourselves by names. So I think that's wrong. And I would call people who are in a denomination to step out of the denomination and just be a Christian. Because that's what scripture calls us to do. And uh, most recently, last week, we considered this lesson that we are set apart by our scriptural organization. And this is very much related to denominationalism, is that a denomination has somebody or some set of doctrines or some group that oversees everybody else in that denomination. And we look at scripture and it looks like, hey, we're supposed to have autonomy within individual churches, within the congregations, so that we are all, going back to the, the third point there, we are all called to follow scripture and consider the word of God. We don't follow the teachings of men, so we have elders within individual congregations to keep us within the bounds of Scripture. Now, we move on to today. Another set of teaching that, yes, we look at Scripture, we want to please God. So we look at Scripture, and we see something in, in Scripture that is a very simple concept, and is very important to us because it's important in Scripture, and that many people seem to miss. Many people act or speak contrary to this, and this is a picture that I've got. If you're able to see the slideshow, there is a picture of um, the Hispanic minister Hermes is immersing somebody in this uh, pool behind me, um, and it's just a pool, <laughs> just a tub of water, big one. We call it a baptistry. We give it a special name, but it's just water, and Hermes is is immersing someone into Christ. And that was just last Sunday, just a week ago. A beautiful thing that there was some work took place to get that tub filled up. And then somebody confessed the name of Christ, needing him, calling upon Jesus to save their soul. And so we, uh, we rejoice that somebody was immersed and raised up. Well, we'll, we'll consider in the lesson today what all happens here. Why immersion? We call it baptism, but it's just immersion, getting dipped. That's all the scripture talks about is getting dipped, getting immersed, and pulled back up out of the water. Well, we believe what the scripture teaches about baptism, what it teaches about immersion. And that is what we're going to consider today. And we're going to pose this in the terms of a, a question. So this entire sermon is a question that just really gets longer and longer. And you don't really know the end of the question until you get to the end. And you can see in your outline what the end of the question is. But the question is, if when baptized, you or whoever gets baptized, we'll just make it very personal. If when baptized, you... Dot, dot, dot. Well, let's find out what Scripture says about baptism and what happens when somebody is immersed. So, number one, if when baptized you crucify the old sinful man, or you crucify your old sinful self. Let's look at this passage in Romans chapter 1 and I have listed 1 through 14. We're going to look today and just consider 1 through 7. 
You can look at the scripture in its entirety later if you want to, or even while I'm talking. If I'm talking and you're reading scripture, I'm never going to get mad at that, I don't guess. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ? I almost, even with the first couple of points here, I'm going to ignore that statement until a little bit later. We'll talk about that more. But remember that phrase, baptized into Christ. So those of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old sinful self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. So as we look and consider this picture that uh, of somebody being immersed into Christ, if that person truly has faith in Jesus, and they're very aware of their sinfulness, they have they want, that to, they want that to be in their past. They want to have a new life. We are, pick, we are seeing the moment when they are buried with Christ, when they are crucified with Christ, when they die with Christ. And therefore, just as Jesus was raised, then this person is about to be raised, resurrected. And that is the reason for our language of, if when baptized... According to Romans 6, you crucify the old sinful man. Just Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, you continue through verse 14, you'll just see the, the same thought. When you're baptized, according to Romans 6, you crucify the old sinful man. Baptized into Christ, the old person dies, and then... Point number two, to consider these separately, though they go hand in hand, you now have a new life. You are raised up, you're crucified, then you're resurrected with a new life. When something dies and then it's reborn, it doesn't have the same life. And that's a joy to consider. What a grace by God that we can, uh, we can have a new start, that we can, in the Language of Jesus, be born again, born of the Spirit. What a beautiful thought. So when you're baptized, I would contend, number one, that you crucify the old sinful man, and you now have a new life. You walk in newness of life. That's pretty important. So if this is true, if when baptized you are these things, well, let's continue with the question. Let's add some more things, some more items to this. What does Scripture say explicitly and plainly, clearly about baptism? And as I would say, when I use the term simple, authentic faith, 
I think this is a pretty simple lesson. We look at Scripture and we see what it clearly says. That's simple to me. If when baptized you crucify the old sinful man, and you now have a new life, those things are pretty simple. Number three, when baptized, you put on Christ. Is that true according to Scripture? So go to Galatians chapter 3. Verse number 27. I won't read verse 26 with it. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So I have to pause there for a second. I don't think baptism is some magical moment when, you know, if you get dunked, hey, you're, it's, it's like a spell, you know, that spell gets cast on you and it's magic and you're, you're just going to be saved no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what you're thinking. You can grab somebody off the street, baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ, and whoa, they're saved. You know, that's not what's going on here. You've got to have verse uh, 26. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If I'm preaching about baptism, am I preaching against faith? May it never be. No. Faith is important. Baptism is important. Faith is necessary. Baptism is necessary. Verse 26 again, for you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all of you who were baptized into Christ. Oh, same language, isn't it? Baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I don't have a jacket today. I didn't wear a coat and tie, did I? But I got a shirt I put on this morning, right? I put it on. I am clothed in it. I put it on. Now I am wearing it. This is the language here. We are, if we, this is, if you want to put on Christ, if you want to have Christ in your life, if you want to be in Christ, this is where the language, this is why that language makes sense. Baptized into Christ because it's at baptism that you clothe yourself with Christ. According to Galatians 3.27, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So when baptized, so far I'm seeing that scripture is saying that when you're baptized, you crucify the old sinful man. You now have a new life in Christ and you have put on Christ. Well, what else does Scripture say about baptism? You are saved. You are saved. So this is interesting. Let's go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're looking at verse number 21. To really understand verse 21, I, it goes in connection with verse 20. And this is kind of a perplexing passage. Um, but I, for me, I, it used to be perplexing to me, but now that I think I understand it, it's really quite simple in my mind, but it's still perplexing. I, I'll give you that. It's a lot of people think it's a very difficult passage and there's a lot of different views on it, but let's read, uh, verse, let's just ver read verse 21 and see what it says explicitly and clearly. Simply, 
Corresponding to that, so I'm going to ignore that part almost for now. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God. All right, so it states here, baptism now saves you. That's the language. So in baptism, when you are baptized, you are saved. And it's not the water that's important. It's you are saved through, as it says at the end of verse 21, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, and real, so really you understand there that it's not something that you're doing. You submit to baptism, but you then are saved in baptism. And that happens through Jesus. We would say we're saved by the blood of Jesus. And by his resurrection that's connected with that death. So if when baptized you are saved... And, um, you know, maybe sometime we'll talk about how the Noah in his ark, in the, in the ark, a few people were saved through water. If you understand that language, you look at the base language, you also understand that then baptism is like the ark. You are saved. They were, those folks, Noah was saved in the ark, but they were really saved through the water. Now... The water here isn't a comparison to the water with the ark. Baptism is the ark. You are saved in baptism. Baptism is like the ark. And you are saved in the ark through, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not through water, through the resurrection of Jesus. That's how we're saved. Um, you can go back and listen to that over and over again if you happen to get a recording. See if it makes sense. All right, but let's go on to the next point. The next point, then, is very important because what happens at baptism that saves us, that, well, verse Acts 22 and verse number 16. A very simple verse. Acts 22, verse number 16. This is Ananias telling uh, this new... Um, Hopefully going to be a Christian here in a second. Saul, hopefully uh, on his way to become an apostle. Ananias tells Saul, who is going to become Paul, Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Well, whose name? The name of Jesus Calling on the Lord to save you. That's who he was just spoken about. Jesus was revealed to Saul. And Jesus was the one that Saul was persecuting. Then Jesus comes to Saul and says, I want you to be my vessel. I want you to, instead of being against me, I want you to be for me. And Ananias comes and teaches him about, uh, about Jesus. And he says, now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. If when baptized you wash sins away, 
If, uh, what if Paul had refused to be baptized? What if he had said, oh, be baptized? I'm afraid of water. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm just going to pray. No, uh, the Lord says something, you do it. And if you want your sins washed away, you need to respond to uh, this same call. Get up and do something. What are you waiting for? This is the invitation always is that if you're not in Christ, get up, be baptized, wash away your sins. And it makes sense because in that moment of baptism, that's when you crucify the old sinful man. You're raised up then to have a new life in Christ. That's when you put on Christ. If we don't put on Christ, how are you going to stand before God on the judgment day? You're going to stand there on your own. And it's not going to look pretty because you are filled with sins. We are full of sins until we can put on Christ and then we're clothed in Christ. We have the opportunity to stand with a little bit of confidence before God. We can go before God and, and pray to Him with, with Christ Jesus. We're in Christ. But if, if we're not clothed in Christ, we're not saved. We haven't washed our sins away. We're still in those sins. We haven't been clothed with Christ. These all work together. In other words, there's a moment when all of this happens. There is a moment when we are obedient to God and then he saves us and gives us this new life. It all works together. So let's uh, look at number six. Point number six. When you're baptized, you receive or have the forgiveness of sins. So we go to Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 38. And there's even more that's included in here, really. But in Acts 2.38, it says, uh, this is the first gospel sermon when Jesus is preached. And the people are pricked in their hearts. They know they crucified the Savior. They need saving. Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When baptized, you have forgiveness of sins. Scripture is plain and simple. No need to try and explain it away. When you are baptized, when you repent of your... You know, and repentance is important too. I wouldn't... I mentioned faith before. Repentance is important, right? Baptism is important. Calling on the name of God is important. That's why we confess His name. We need Him. We can't be saved without Him. But when we do that and we're immersed into Christ, when we are baptized, we have forgiveness of sins. You, each of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Very simple. Number seven. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, our scripture reading for today. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 13, it says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And that last verse in Acts 2.38 mentioned you would receive the Spirit. And there is a Spirit that's alive and well in the Lord's church. I pray that each one of us is living according to God's Spirit that we have received. And according to that Spirit, when one is baptized through that Spirit, you 
are baptized into the one body. One body. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 hints at the same time. All Same thing. When you're clothed in Christ, you know, if, we're all, if each one of us is clothed in Christ, we all pretty much look the same, right? We're all one. We're all clothed in Christ. We have His Spirit then that is given to us. We enter the body of Christ. We're one together. Family is important, isn't it? We're part of the family of God. We enter into the body of Christ. That is a reference, everyone would agree, to us being true. The body of Christ is the church. Read all of uh, chapter 12, and that is plain and clear. He's talking about the church. The one body, that's Jesus' church. Christ's church. The church of Christ. So this is how you enter the body. is by being immersed. And it's very clear, too, that if we are to be made holy in Christ, if we are to have our sins washed away, when we get immersed into Jesus, then we're set apart from the world. We're set apart from everything that's normal and ordinary, and our life is now set apart to serve God's purpose. It's special for Him, along with everybody else that's in the church. We are set apart from the world. Now we're in God's group of people, the holy ones. We're saints in Jesus. We enter the body of Christ. We're in his church. And the last point then of just some simple passages to consider about baptism. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 12. Colossians 2, 12. Um wanted to start at verse 9, but I'm going to go ahead and just read verse number 12 at the end of this. Uh, it's talking about in him, in him, in him. You read those verses, it's in him. Having been buried with him in baptism. Very much, and this is Paul speaking, just very similar language to how he spoke in our first passage in Romans 6. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So this is that picture of being buried with him in baptism and raised up with him. Raised up with him. You're buried with him, you're raised with him. So then, if when baptized, you crucify the old sinful man. You have a new life. You have put on Christ. Or you are in Christ. You are saved. You wash away sins. And that was the scripture, uh, by the way. I didn't make this point, but in Acts twenty two sixteen it says, What are you waiting for now? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. You, you get up and do this. That was the command. But we recognize the fact that it's only by the power of Christ and His grace that forgives us. But that sense is that you wash away your sins when you submit and do what He says. You aren't washing away and scrubbing your own life up. You're submitting to Him to do it. But you wash away your sins. You receive or you have forgiveness of sins. You enter the body of Christ. You are buried and raised up with Christ. If all those things are true, as Scripture points out very clearly, if when baptized you receive all those things, then what is your condition without baptism? Then what is your condition without baptism? 
Well, if you look one by one, you would say, well, I guess I haven't crucified the old sinful man and I haven't received a new life. I haven't put on Christ. I'm not saved. I haven't washed away my sins. I haven't been forgiven of my sins. I haven't entered the body of Christ. I'm not in the church. And I've not buried and raised up with Jesus. What's your condition? You don't stand right before God. That is clear. That's a simple teaching of Scripture that I would stand by. And there would be all kinds of people and some people that are a lot smarter than me. And they'd say, whoa, 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 but, 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 but. What about this, this, this? And you're probably, I'm sticking with Scripture. It says it. It's simple. And I don't think there's any one who has been immersed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins that would say, hey, look at me when I got baptized. I'm so good now. Look at how I did it. I earned my way into heaven. No, that's, and that's kind of the argument. You think you earned your way into heaven. You think you're somebody because you did this. No, I humbly went before God and I was crying out to him to give me a new life and I obeyed what he told me to do and he told me to, let somebody dip me under water. And that's the closest I've really probably ever been to dead. I held my breath. That's the closest we can come to, well, I guess some people probably come closer. That's the closest I've ever come to die. And it's hold my breath going underwater. I'm not breathing. My heart's still beating physically. But I tell you what, I went under that water. Somebody dipped me under Dan Reed years ago. And he raised me up out of that water. And it was in that moment, somehow, some way, the wonderful work of God. I received a new life in Christ and all my sins were washed away. I just praise God for his wonderful work. And that's a simple teaching of scripture and um, it's a beautiful thing. And we can kind of go through it and make it a very academic thing where it says scripture says this, scripture says this, and somebody else says this and they're wrong. But the point is, you have the opportunity to come to Christ, to put on Christ, and to have a new life. And there is always a time, you know, probably even after you get immersed into Christ, we mess things up so good sometimes we're thinking, boy, I just need a new life. And Jesus says, yep, I'm here for you. I'm going to keep giving you a new life. It's going to get a little bit better every day. We're renewed day by day. Second uh, Corinthians makes that clear. Renewed day by day. A kind of a new life day by day. This is what we have in Christ Jesus. And I encourage anybody who needs that new life. You know you need to turn to God and give your life to Him. I encourage you to make that today. Today is the opportunity for you to be immersed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If there's anybody here who wants to receive that call, I encourage you to come now as we stand together and sing this song.